Good morning, everyone. Good to see you. It's great to be here and be a part of what is happening because it's awesome. And I'll tell you what we're going to do. Jason, I'm going to go to that handheld mic, wherever it might be. There we go. So, Check one. There we go. Much better. Hey, all these young adults, it's great to see you. And young adults throughout this room, right after this service, Joel and Ashley would love to connect with you. So I think you're going to Kadu- hospitality room. Meet there, and then you're going to Cadoba. That's a great place to go. So all young adults, check it out. As soon as the service was over last week, Chance and I went, boarded a plane, and headed straight to Uganda. And it's hard to just go straight there. Uh, it's quite a long journey. And so when we arrived, we got there about middle of the day, and we were to then get in a vehicle, and we'd go about what should be three hours to the 14 acres where we served last year. And that's where we were going to conduct a pastor's conference. Well, uh, because of traffic issues in Entebbe and Kampala, it was a five-hour trip. So we'd come off the journey on the planes, in, in, then in the vehicle, and we went right to the site without stopping because we were running late. The church service had already started. And when I drove on to that 14 acres, I was just so freshly energized by what I saw. Remember last year, we wanted to build a home for the man and his family that oversee the 14 acres and all of the ministry. He was living in a straw hut. And so you helped invest in GL 2012. We took those resources and we built this. And I want to show you the finished product. It's just amazing. Isn't that great? There's nothing else like it uh, anywhere in the region. And then... Uh, A team of our people that went last summer, you helped pour foundation on what would be an expansion of their school. 230 plus kids every day that come for school, and so we needed to expand it. And so you worked hard. That was hard labor, pouring that foundation. When I drove on the campus this past week, here's what I saw. The finished product. The school is done. That will become the home of 120 preschoolers. And what you don't realize is if that ministry wasn't there, there's no other place for them to get this kind of education. It is phenomenal. We took a team of educators last year that worked with their teachers. And some of the constructs that our teaching team taught their teachers, we could see those still on the wall. And then where they took those principles that they learned, and you could see lessons that they have taught using those same models. And so you, I saw firsthand the influence. Josh Baker, Josh, if you'll raise your hand, he's sitting over here. He's a great educator, was one of our team members last year. He influenced these teachers. He teaches at TCC. They've just approved him to do a class called Global Education. And in 2014, that whole class will go to that location and be involved in teaching those teachers. That is incredible. Well, there's another building on the the property. It's their church. And so when Chance and I walked in... And started the service, this is what we saw, 120 pastors and their wives packed into that place. The guy standing beside me there, that's the pastor who gives oversight to all of these leaders, and his name is Moses. And he's a prince of a guy, and he's doing a great job, and he did all the interpretation for me. And I'm telling you, the Spirit of God filled that place. It it was so energized, the love of Jesus, their heart to honor God and to build their churches. In the summer, we, we met and taught 20 pastors. This ministry gives covering to 120, so they came from miles around. It was incredible. While we were in worship, the, Moses said to me, he said, hey, uh, we got a committee knowing you were coming, and we decorated, and uh, I just want you to know, they really worked hard on it, and I'm telling you, it was just, it was just precious to see where they just used whatever they had. And I don't know when the thought came to their mind, but they came up with this centerpiece that they use. And I want to show it to you. It's awesome. It's a beach ball. <laughs> Isn't that great? There, it's just incredible. And so I'm, we're just praising the Lord. And, and I, I look over at Chance and I point at the beach ball. He's like, and Chance doesn't miss anything. He's like, already saw it. Love it. And we had such a great time and man God is there's a revival happening in Uganda and these churches are growing 
And so it was such a blessing to pour into them. And then I just started the journey back home to get back by last night. And Chance went on to Nairobi in Kenya. And there he's meeting with one of the great leaders of all Kenya over the East Africa School of Theology. And it's going to be a, a GL 2013 initiative. And he's going to give you uh, a lot of information next week. He will give you an opportunity to respond in your giving. It will be our first global local offering of 2013. And I want to encourage you to start strong. Be praying now what you can do. Because the East, as it's called, East Africa School of Theology, trains more pastors for all of the, the churches and, and other areas of influence than any other place. So it's a far-reaching impact. They have an urgent, urgent need. He'll tell you about it, and we can be a part of it. I want to tell you, Assembly family, your global footprint is more pronounced than it's ever been, and I think we should give God praise that we can be a part of a world vision. Praise God. Praise God. Hey, I have a gift for you, and I've got a team that's going to fill this auditorium and give you a gift. And so just move as fast as you can, team. And uh, as we do that, we'll kind of multitask, all right? Just take one. Everybody gets one. Everybody. Everybody gets one and either put it on or hold it because I need to use this to walk you through this second part of our vision. All right? As you take it, I want to put on the screen our vision promise from Deuteronomy 33 verse 25 we're going to multitask so as you're waiting on your gift read this out loud with me are you ready as are your days so shall your strength be say it again real loud outside voice as are your days it is an allocated strength for every day you live and it adapts to the need of the day it's one of the most amazing promises of God and it is going to capture how we theme this journey. We're on a five-year journey. Listen to this and celebrate it with me to our 100th anniversary as a church family. That is remarkable. And so we want to be at our best. We want to get stronger and stronger. So my vision to cast is this. A life characterized by strength. A church that is characterized by strength. The vision God has cannot be done unless we're strong. So today, I want to talk to you about you and my passionate vision for you. We'll look at more of the corporate church and its ministries uh, in a couple of weeks. But this is just my passion for you as a, as a person that God has created, as a person that God is, is wanting to do great things in. So just know Jesus not only cast vision, he was a vision creator. And I want this to create a sense of possibility until it moves to some goal setting in your life. Because if you change and I change, then my world changes. It's really hard to change the world if I don't change. It's really hard to impact prevailing uh, influence unless I am changing. So today is about my passionate vision for you. I want the next five years of your life to be the best ever. And so we're going to figure out how to do this. I want to share with you five keys, give you some objectives and some plans with those. Just like if you went into a gym and started working out, you will get stronger. I'm telling you this is a vision process that if you work it, it will produce greater strength. And if you look at that bracelet, it says stronger. Say that word with me. You ready? Stronger. And there are a lot of keys. And let's go to the, the one that says Future. You're taking notes. Make, make a note of this word. When I talk about your future, I'm talking about your vocation. Meaningful work. To empower people to succeed in meaningful work is a passionate piece of this vision. When Chance and I would transfer from plane to plane on this journey to Uganda, we would, the moment the plane stopped and you knew you were clear and free to move, we were up grabbing our bags, wanting to get to passport control as quickly as we could to move to the next connecting flight. Well, everybody else was doing the same, and all of these bags, some of them looked just alike. So we kind of double-checked to make sure we had the right bag. Because if you end up with the wrong suitcase, it is not good. 
I know of a man who grabbed the wrong bag. When he got where he's going, he opened it. He said, this is my stuff. Matter of fact, it belonged to a lady. So what do you do? You, you know, you can't live out of that. If it's another guy's, you may try to live out of it, but it doesn't fit you. And I think too often, from a, a sense of purpose, we live out of someone else's suitcase. And we need to figure out how God has shaped us, how he shaped you, and that you're living out of the purpose for which you were created. The promise is 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. New Living Translation says, God has given each of you a gift from a great variety of spiritual gifts. So use them well to serve one another. You have a unique wiring, skill set, education, set of experiences that all comes together to, to make you who you are. And if you are just who God created you to be, it is a life of great reward and great fulfillment. So stronger vocationally means we work the muscle of purpose. You know, we spend too many hours at work to not love what we do. Many statistics show from different reports of how miserable so many people are in a job that they spend so much of their life doing. Speaking of these, these plane rides, uh, we had different flight crews on each one, and, and we could see the difference in those attitudes and people. I mean, there was one flight crew, they might as well have said, hey, sit down, buckle up, and shut up. I mean, that's just everything they were giving off. Another flight, they were fun, they were creative, they were energized, it was amazing. And so I just posed the question to one of the flight attendants, I said, y'all are different than some of the other people we've had. And, and this, this guy said to me, he goes, I love what I do, I live to do this. And that's the key. Do you live to do your job? Gallup organization's been bought out by another organization. They, they conducted a poll of 7 million people across the world with this question, what are you most concerned about? The response normally has been about family, want my kids to have it better than I have. This year, the response overwhelmingly was, I'm concerned about having a job of meaningful work meaningful work I know the Holy Spirit has put this on my heart the church that figures out how to help people vocationally with meaningful work to discover their real purpose to do empowering things that help them to get there is a church that's going to help many many people and good news we're going to be that church we're going to be that church. How do we do it? Some resources. Along the way, I'm just going to make them available. Here's one. It's called Relaunch. It's a book by Dr. Rutland. It's his newest book. It doesn't even go public till February. So I've got some in advance, and you can get one. It's about how to stage an organizational comeback. He has led so many organizational comebacks in his life. And so he's put those principles in this book. This book will make you better. This book will give you insights. Here's another thing, and I'm so excited about this. For the first time, I, as a local church, I'm going to build a team of vocational coaches. It's already started, and these men and women are going to be available to help you in that discovery of purpose, what it takes to get to the next level with the job that you desire, getting away from this sense of a day job where it's just a grind to a dream job. I'm telling you, God has uniquely packed you and these people will help unpack who you are because you are unequaled and you are unmatched. There's no one else just like you. And we want you to be the best you that you can possibly be. Another thing we're going to do is bring in special guests. Bob Goff just inspired us. We need inspirational leaders that, that challenge us to change to where we really act on what we're hearing going to bring in one next week. He'll be here for all three gatherings. And then there's a special opportunity that I'm going to tell you about. His name is John Acuff. He's become a New York Times bestselling author. He's just, just right on the edge of, of where the culture is. A, a tremendous success. And I want to introduce him to you. So watch this video. A little idea 
with a lot of action and a lot of hustle and a community online can really change the world. You can dent the universe. And that's what gets me excited every morning to think about all the changes happening in our families, in our companies, in our individual lives, the things that we can do that we never could have done 10 years ago, 20 years ago. One day I was looking at a book about weather with my daughter and on one of the pages there was a story about famine and drought and there was a picture of a starving child. And she said, what's that, Dad? What's that? And I told her. I said, that little boy's starving to death. He doesn't have enough food to eat. And then she paused with these big, blue, five-year-old eyes and said, well, that's pretend, right? That's not real, right? Because you see, a five-year-old who grew up eating three meals a day can't fathom that other five-year-olds don't have that same experience. And when she said that to me, I heard her saying, you're not okay with that, are you, Dad? Do other people know about that, Dad? Are you doing anything about that, Dad? So I decided to ask the readers of my blog to help me do a new project. On a random Monday in November, I asked them to help me raise $30,000 to build a kindergarten in Vietnam. And we expected it to take two months. You know how long it took us to raise that $30,000? 18 hours. We did the entire project in one day. If you didn't read the blog that day, you missed it. That wouldn't have existed if a five-year-old didn't ask a question. If thousands of people on a blog, strangers that'll never visit Vietnam, hadn't come together. So what gets me up in the morning is the reality that we can change the world right now. It's the wild, wild west out there, especially with the internet. But right now, we're the first generation of parents that has to have a digital footprint conversation with our kids. We're the first generation to ever sit down and go, hey, let's talk about Facebook. Let's talk about how you're going to use Twitter and blogs. So as I engage with parents, those are the kind of things we talk about. How do you raise a kid in a connected world? You know, if you're a leader on stage or you're a leader at work, but you're not leading at home, you're not a leader. You're an actor. And I don't want us to be a generation of actors. I want us to be a generation of leaders, to see the relationship between how I lead at home and how I lead at work, or how I lead outside of work, and have all of that come together. Because that's what makes you the best leader. That's what makes you the best employee. That's what makes you the best dad or the best mom. One of the things I like to talk to leaders about is the influence of hate and criticism in our culture right now. There's this thing I came up with called Critics Math, and a lot of leaders struggle with it. And here's the formula. It's really simple. One insult plus 1,000 compliments equals one insult. We have the ability to overfocus on that one customer that hates what we're doing and ignore all the customers that love what we're doing. So one of the things I ask leaders to be very careful about is to make sure that they don't have myopic vision on criticism and ignore the good things that are going on because it's so easy to get there and it blinds our decision-making processes. I was a serial quitter. I had eight jobs in eight years and I always thought the next job would be the right job, but the same thing would happen. I'd have a six-month honeymoon period. I'd love the job. And then I'd start to get a little bored and start to get a little bitter. And I'd start to demonize my boss and demonize the company and say, I got to get out of here. I got to find a job where they appreciate my talents and they understand what I'm capable of. And so then I'd quit and I'd get a new job. But guess what would happen at that job? The same problems from the last one would show up until I finally had to stop and realize the common denominator in every bad job I ever had was me. And I had to stop long enough to say, what do I want to do with my life? What do I feel uniquely called to do? What are my skills? And after 12 years of being in cubicles and wrestling with that dynamic, I figured out how to get to my dream job. And so that's one of my favorite things to do is encourage people and equip other people to do the very same. So John Acuff will come and he will talk to us in the three services about this culture and the unique application of the life of Jesus that helps you to go from average to awesome. It'll be a word to young adults, to teenagers, to parents. You will absolutely love it. And then at 1.30, I'm going to host an opportunity for business people where he, he's literally a foremost expert on the digital footprint. Companies across the nation are using him to come in and help craft strategy and vision. He will talk about this, uh, this, this math component. It's just amazing. Now, here's, here's the way you can be a part of that. I want to put on the screen my mobile phone number or you, the way you can connect with me on Twitter. If you text me right now, we'll reserve a spot for you at that 1.30 session. Business people, entrepreneurs, I want you to come and be a part of that. We will serve you lunch. So what you can do is attend this service and at 12 o'clock go to lunch. We'll serve you lunch. And then I'll bring him in right after the third gathering and he will talk to you. And I'm telling you, this is a rare opportunity for a church. It, it's rare to have him just like it was Bob Goff. God has set this up. 
and you will learn so much. It will be empowering, and it's all about how we follow through in helping in our vocational pursuit. Here's another way that I want to help resource this thought process. On May the 10th, right here in this room, we will be a a host of a simulcast by the Chick-fil-A Corporation on Leadership. It'll happen all day, and let me tell you who you will hear speak 45 minutes to an hour at a time. First of all, Jack Welch, Andy Stanley, Coach K of Duke University, John Maxwell, uh, Lieutenant Commander Rourke Denver, who's a Navy SEAL who was the lead actor in the movie Act of Valor, and then Condoleezza Rice. And that's just a few. I'm telling you, it is amazing, and it will challenge you as a leader uh, how to think, how to apply some of these principles. And that'll be on May the 10th because it's all about the future, vocational, meaningful work. Give God praise if you think these things will make a difference. Look at your bracelet right, right there next to future is the word fitness. You know, in junior high school, I was involved in sports. I don't know if they call it junior high anymore, mid-high involved in sports, and it was just obvious that if you're involved in those kind of activities, that you had to give yourself to a physical fitness for the energy necessary. Then, when I got through, when my, when my career of sports ended, there like wasn't a future to it, and I felt the call to ministry, and I went to Bible college, and I came out, and I started working every day, and what I absolutely loved to do, what I was made to do. Do you know that I separated from my vocational calling, the need of energy. And I went day after day and month after month, and I never thought about physical fitness. And I underestimated the need of energy for the call of God on my life. In the playoff football games that will happen today, none of those players underestimate the need of physical energy to be at their best but when you have a job that's more sedentary where you're you're sitting a lot it's in a cubicle it's in an office we don't connect the importance of energy and yet it's a proven fact your energy level has so much to do with your ability to be creative to manage your emotions to resolve conflict and it goes on and on and on and so we need a vision We need to create some goals. You know what? We're going to get healthier. We're going to do everything we can to help you. Here's a startling, startling statistic. 20 million people in this decade will die from malnutrition. That's primarily in other countries. In Uganda, I saw many people who are malnourished. But for the first time in history, this just blows my mind, but it's true. First time in history in this decade, 50 million people will die from weight-related diseases. So more people will die from obesity than malnutrition. And it's absolutely changeable. In these foreign countries where there's, there's a lack of healthy food, it's changeable too. We just hadn't figured out how to really make it happen, but there's enough food in the world to, to, to serve the world. We just hadn't figured out how to get it to all the people who really need it. But I'm telling you, when it comes to this issue of the 50 million, it's absolutely changeable. And the church that will help people get a hold of this and not separate their spiritual life from their physical life is a church that's going to be helping many people. So how can we do this? What would be an approach? Well, I'm excited to announce to you that I'm building a team of fitness and nutritional coaches that are going to help you start where you are, take necessary steps. So many times we just don't really know what's going on and how to address this. Well, we're going to deal with it and figure it out. Here's another, some special guests. I've invited Danny Cahill, and he's going to be our guest on the last Sunday of February. He lives here in Broken Arrow. He was the winner of the biggest loser. Danny Cahill weighed 460 pounds. He lost 269. That's amazing. Let me show you a before and after picture. 
This is Danny, and here's what he says. Every time he set out to change, if he lost 10 pounds, he quit. He said, because when you lose 10 pounds and you weigh 460, it's like nothing has happened. He said, I would lose 30 pounds in certain seasons of life, but then I'd quit because what's 30 when you're 460? And he said, in order to lose weight, I had to lose the quit. And he's going to speak on the last Sunday of February on how to lose your quit. Because if you lose your quit, it is key. And he's going to talk about it. It's all up here. It's how we think and the way we've, we've, we've you know, wired ourselves up to want certain things. And he talks about wanting to learn more about how to play the guitar because he's a musician. Wanting to be a better husband, a better father. And yet, when he would start out, he would then quit because he just didn't have the energy to change or he, he just didn't have what it would take. And so he's going to tell you, right, from the word of God, the spiritual inspiration that then transferred over into his physical fitness and the revolution that it's been in his life. And I think that that is going to be an awesome Sunday. In this new year, we'll not only have our first job fair and career expo, we're going to have our first health fair. And i got a team of experts that will come in and they're going to be absolutely amazing, and I can't wait for you to hear it. Let's keep going. Notice that next word. It's called finance. My goal is for you to, to be in a position of strength financially, to reduce significant debt over the next five years. And I want to tell you, you can do it. Money-related problems and the stress that money problems put on relationships is huge. It's one of the number one causes of divorce. And if we can remove that stress, think of the influence it will be in people's life and relationship. Listen to what Jesus said when it came, comes to money. He, he talked more about money. And I know you may have heard this, but I want, I want this to settle in with you. Jesus talked more about money than he did heaven and then, than he did hell. Read the parables of Jesus. One half. Of all parables mention money. One third are about how you invest. Proverbs speaks more about money than anything else. And it's written by Solomon. The wisest, richest man who ever lived. And he talks about money. Money is a test. It tests lordship. And money is a trust. It opens up how I'm managing, how I'm stewarding is the Bible word. The life, the resources that God has given me. See, in church, if you've been raised in church world, you may have heard talks about money connected to tithing. I know people who tithe, but the rest of their finances were an absolute weak situation. So yes, I honor them for honoring God with the tithe, but the Lord would love for their their finances to to be in order for there to be strength and the church that is willing to talk about this not just the tithe though it's very biblical and it's very clear and it comes with a very important promise and we need to know it but we need to go beyond that and talk about the full financial picture of your life so how do we do it I have a team of people developing even now of financial coaches they're experts, and they're going to help you. They're going to start with where you are. It, it, you could be in deep, deep, deep trouble financially. You need to let people help you that are trustworthy. So many of these commercials that you see on television, it's just a, a situation that will make your context worse. And so we're going to help you. Classes that we're already offering. You know what? Nobody needs a divorce because of money problems. We need to remove those money problems. You've been given a life of purpose, and I don't want you unable to respond to opportunity because you're in financial weakness. When you're in a financial a position of financial strength and, and God knocks on the door of your heart with a leading, you can respond to it. Some of you know what it's like. I've been there where God knocks on the door of your heart and you want to really do something in a certain area of need financially, but you simply can't. Because you've stretched yourself beyond what you should in other less important areas. 
And so let's talk about it. Let's deal with it. Why would we celebrate just spiritual strength if, in fact, 50% of our church are yet to tithe and so many people are in deep debt? Let's just step up. Let's just be like Jesus and talk about money and talk about the full and big picture. Talk about where we are and how to get where God wants us to be. Well, let's continue to get stronger. How can we do it? Well, look at this next word. It's the word family. And if you're taking notes, just put down the word relationship. Because I'm talking about relationships. I have a set of questions for you. Who here is single? Would you raise your hand? Come on, raise up. Keep it up. Single. In every section, there are those who are single. And we celebrate your singleness. Anybody here engaged to be married? Any engaged people? Engaged people right where somebody's pointing. Raise your hand. Man, you're engaged, dude. That's awesome. And we have some people engaged to be married. Awesome. Anybody want to make like an announcement? Like, we'll put it on the screen. How many of you just say, I, I just like to have a date? Who here has been married 12 months or less? Hands high. Wow, look at the young married people in here. 12, look at the smile. Just wait. Uh, Come on, keep them up. 12 months or less. That's incredible. Let's celebrate all these young married people. This is great. Okay. How many of you have been married 10 years or more? Look at all these people. All right, 20 years or more. Do you know that tomorrow, Kelly and I celebrate our 24th wedding anniversary? Tomorrow! How many of you have been married 30 years or more? 40 years or more? 50 years or more? Come on, keep them up. Look across. How many of you, anybody here married 60 years or more? Look at this! Yes! That is incredible! All of us have key relationships. We all relate to people in a certain context. And God wants those relationships strong. A little boy was a ring bearer at a wedding and he came down the right aisle as the wedding was starting. And he was so cute. With every step he took, he looked to the left and right and he would growl. Every step all the way down. So he went on the platform and he stood like an angel. Then the recessional started. He moved down. And with every step going out, he growled. His dad said, son, what was up with all of the growling? He said, dad, I was the ring bearer. So good. Such a great illustration of how belief impacts behavior what you believe about who you are and other people impacts how you act toward them and the home you were raised in was your university of relationship and it may have been awesome it may have been anything but awesome But the bottom line, it's about how you think and giving yourself a willingness to see how Jesus teaches about relationships. Because it's not healthy for a church to be strong in the public worship service and then not see how that then transfers in how we treat each other. The number one way that the book of John chronicled the work of the Spirit was how it showed up. And how they treated each other. Stronger relationally. That's what we're talking about when it comes to this one. And it is so vital and it is so important. Let me, let me pose a question here. If you were to write down a sentence, one sentence that has the potential to revolutionize your life. What might that sentence be? Many experts on 
life say this is the one. And it's this. If you try to build a strong relationship with another person without getting stronger yourself, then all of your relationships will end up being an attempt to complete you. Therefore, those relationships will be weak or fail. Maybe you saw the movie Jerry Maguire. Who, who was the guy actor? I forget his name. Who, yeah, Tom Cruise, yeah. Tom Cruise. Uh, Tom Cruise walked into this house where his wife was, and there were all these ladies, and it was kind of like a small group where they were griping about their relationship. Tom Cruise, in that emotion, he looks over at that lady, and he says, You complete me. It was like one of the most often quoted, matter of fact, the most quoted movie of any movie of all time, Jerry Maguire. You completely. If you believe that about another person, you'll end up in as many failed relationships as Tom Cruise. I'm telling you. Because nobody was designed, nobody was given the mission to complete you. That isn't anyone's job. Oh, we're, we're, this is good ground. Neil Clark, he created eHarmony. There are 90 marriages that happen every day because of connections made on eHarmony. He's a relational genius. He was asked to give a statement of advice to people. What would it be? And here's his statement of advice. Get yourself healthy before you get yourself married. And the church said, how do you do it? How do you get stronger? Well, this is where we go into the resource side. In the month of May, we're going to dedicate four to six weeks to what I'm going to call a relational boot camp. And every sermon and the events we have throughout that set of weeks is going to help singles, those who are single again, those who are young married, those who are in that middle zone of being married. It's going to be a blessing to parents. It's going to be a relational boot camp because if you're a parent you're raising kids and there are some incredible challenges that our kids are confronted with and we want to be effective in helping our our kids and so we've got some great things in store but I want to just give you the the focuses of the relational boot camp every message that I do and then the events that we'll host and one is to work the muscle. And think of this area as like the core. You, any any uh, fitness expert will tell you, if you don't get strong in the core, then don't, don't put a lot of time in other areas. You need to strengthen the core. I think this is core. And one is this, your profound significance. When you don't know your significance and then you try to find your worth in other people, you look to others to complete you, relationships dysfunction, because you're not looking to the right source. You are saved by amazing grace, because God says you are the apple of his eye, that you are fearful and wonderfully made. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, if you don't honor God, uh, if you don't really have an openness to Christianity you're still made by God and God loves you and if you were the only person on the planet God would have sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for your sins to rise again to give you life because he loves you so much because you have such incredible incredible worth and when you understand your profound significance in light of God and God's love for you it begins to set you free Every one of us have this internal dialogue going on. We talk to ourselves. You've been doing it this day. Maybe even while you're sitting there, uh, you know, you're looking over if you're late going, man, her nails are nice. And and then you look at yours and then then you look over and there's a guy with his arm around his wife. He's like, man, my my husband's not got his arm around me. And and, and then you look up and go, when is this guy on that stage going to ever quit talking? You know, it just... It's just like a, it's a string of, of thoughts. It's an internal dialogue that we have going on inside of us all of the time. And, and studies prove that when it comes to that internal dialogue about ourselves, which it's, the conversation is about, 70% of it's negative. 
And that's because we've never learned this. And when you live with a, with a conversation going on inside of you, and 70% of it's negative about you, and then you try to relate to other people and build strong friendships or, or a dating relationship or even move into marriage, then you move in very unhealthy. And a messed up person and a strong person doesn't equal a strong couple. It, it, it equals two messed up people. So let me give you Ephesians 3.17. This is message paraphrased. And I ask him that with both feet planted firmly on love, you'll be able to take in with all followers of Jesus the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. This is how Paul prayed for his church in Ephesus. Reach out and experience the breadth. Test its length. Plumb the depths. Rise to the heights of God's love. He's wanting those believers to discover their profound worth as defined by the incredible love for God to them and for them. This next sentence blows me away. Live full lives, full in the fullness of God. Is that a profound statement? I want to show it to you. Live full lives, full in the fullness of God. What's the context? That you've learned about the love of God for you. And when you are full of that revelation... You live a full life that is full in the fullness of God. Now, because you've got it right between you and God, you're on your way to being comfortable in your own skin, and you are positioned to build a healthy relationship. This next one, it's unswerving authenticity. It's where you realize who who you are. The first one's about who you are in God and It's a conversation between you and Jesus. This one is about your relationship and Jesus, your relationship with yourself. How many people pose to try and get someone to like them and it takes them out of who they really are? And if a relationship builds that way and then the person begins to quit posing and someone says, who are you? This is not the person I fell in love with. Well, it's it's who I am. Trouble. Trouble. I want to develop this because it's huge. Ephesians 1 says, here's what Paul says, I want you to get out there and walk. Better yet, run. And run on the road God called you to travel. This is huge. It's you being who God made you to be and being at peace with that. And how you become at peace with who you are is to first start with God's profound love for you that describes your worth so that you don't have to to get in a relationship that really is just trying to find that affirmation which then creates such dysfunction because you're looking to that other person to complete you and there it's a human impossibility number three in this relational boot camp we're going to talk about self-giving love this is about your relationship with everyone else the first is about your relationship with God secondly your relationship with yourself Thirdly, your relationship to others. When you know how, how significant you are to God and how powerful His love is for you. And then you become settled in your own skin so you're real. You're authentic. Then, my friend, you're prepared to relate with self-giving love. It's where you learn someone else's love language and you you speak it with no strings attached because you don't need anything in return. You found God is your supply. God is your source. You're complete in Him. Now you're prepared to love someone selflessly. And it, it's dynamic when it happens. Every teenager, and this, this is just how we're made. It, when you're teenagers, you, you want to figure out who you are. You're on that discovery road and so you will often wonder in a, in a context of a group, like who you are within that group, and a lot of questions you ask or even things you say, like, hey, that's a cool shirt. You're wanting to know if you get a compliment back. Are they going to say, well, your shirt is cool too? Is If they say that, that gives you an idea of how you measure with that group. Because really, it isn't about the fact that that other guy's 
shirt is cool. The, the real issue is trying to figure out who you are. And, and here's the weird thing. If you don't figure out who you are in God, then as a 40-year-old, you come into a room like this and you're still doing it. And all kind of relationships dysfunction. And we need to go into a relational boot camp and get stronger. And I know that it is quite possible, and I can't wait. You know, Jesus talked about those people who, in the Roman culture, they would be demanded to carry the Roman soldier's pack one mile, and they literally had mile markers where they knew they had fulfilled the law. No more, no less. Did my part. Jesus came along and said, hey, when they ask you to go a mile, go two. Because when you get free, you can become a second mile person relationally. When you get a sense of strength in who you are, that you find in God, then you can go the second mile in your friendships, in your marriage, in your parenting. And it's amazing what God does when we become second mile people. Can you say amen? Ephesians 4.3 says it like this. Pour yourselves out for each other in acts of self-giving love. Put that in application to your home. That if everyone in your home poured themselves out to each other, for each other, in acts of self-giving love. Now put that in the context of this, this church, this family, that we just pour ourselves out in acts of self-giving love. That's the way the Lord wanted it. And watch this. We're about to go into the spiritual life component, the faith, the spiritual life. If we talk about great worship and passion for Jesus and passion for the presence of God and daily devotions, and yet we can't then transfer all of that activity of God to strong relationships, then something gets very hollow about the the worship experience. Don't quote the books of the Bible if you're mean. I don't care how many hours you serve if you're mean. I don't care how many hours you pray or speak in unknown tongues if you are mean and treat your spouse like a possession rather than a treasure. You see what I'm saying? This, this is how the book of John shows the level of true spiritual power would show up in how they loved one another. <laughs> Look at your bracelet. We've talked about future and fitness, finance, and family, which is relationship. Now faith, and it's your spiritual life how important it is. And it's an experience. There are spiritual disciplines that lead to this rich experience in God. Here's what David said in Psalm 63. He says, my soul follows hard after you. And I absolutely love that. You know the kind of church I want us to be? What's my vision for us spiritually? is to be a church that follows hard after God. In other words, passion. No tepid lukewarmness. Passion. A fiery passion for God. Passion for His presence. That's what I want. And it is not enough to get stronger in my finances and stronger in my physical health and my vocational clarity if I don't have a greater passion for Jesus then I still fall short in those other arenas. And the reason I've waited to talk about faith until now is because I hope you realize that all five of these are extraordinarily spiritual. And you can't separate one from the other. But we come now and we talk about just our devotional life and our, our, our true love for Jesus. A conviction about what it is to be a follower of Christ. 
Maybe you know what it's like when your kids were small, they would love for you to chase them. And you realize along the way that, that when you caught them, they love to then chase you. The pursued became the pursuer. And the heart that will follow hard after God, that will pursue God, will be the heart that is pursued by God. Because when you draw near to God, God draws near to you. And you walk in a rich, powerful relationship with Jesus. One of these airports, I was transitioning to passport control, and there was one of those power walks, and I've talked about them before. I'll show you a picture of it. It was a quarter mile long. There on the right is the power walk. On the left was just concrete. And so you could take the power walk and just walk manually. And So I'm on the power walk, and I'm going faster, farther, finally get to passport control, a few minutes standing in the line. This person, a little bit behind me, said, that was a long walk. I said, did you take the power walk? He said, no. I said, you didn't. He said, you know, I, I was on the phone and wasn't even aware it was there. Let me talk to you about the presence of the Lord. Sometimes our spiritual life is not what it should be just because we lose awareness. I have to be careful because there was some language I heard growing up in church. And, and I want to make sure as a pastor that I, I'm clear on this and even correct it. We, in church, we'd talk about, we'd pray, Lord, show up. Lord, come strong among us. Lord, we need you to... to Show up and reveal yourself and like manifest, Lord. We're waiting and, and, and we want you to give us this experience with you that otherwise we won't have, Lord, show up. And biblically, the bottom line is this, God's already here. The issue is not asking God to show up. The prayer needs to be, Lord, may I be aware of what's already here. In the Old Testament... They built, or they, they would put up tents and call it a tent of meeting where the presence of God would be. They would build a tabernacle and then they would build a temple. But only a few people could really go into the presence of God. So when Jesus died on the cross and rose again, he removed this priesthood of a few and it became the priesthood of many and we all are given access. Now watch this. The tent, the tabernacle, the temple of the Old Testament, which was an actual place, location. In the New Testament, you are the tent, yes. the tabernacle, Hallelujah. and the temple. Hallelujah. The Spirit of the Lord, the presence of the Lord is in you. Hallelujah. He is in us. I never have to say, Lord, show up. He's already right here. Here's the key. I can get on the phone. I can get preoccupied. And I can do a whole lot of life and be very tired. And someone can say, have you been walking in the Spirit? Did, did you not see the power that was available? And I just say, you know what? I, I was so busy, I just wasn't aware. Jacob said, after having a dream where he saw a ladder and there was all this activity of God on the ladder, the presence of God, it, the whole dream was about presence and strength. Jacob woke up and he said, the presence of God is here, but I wasn't aware of it. And the Lord wants the assembly to be a church that's very aware, to not lose awareness, to not lose sensitivity. And therefore not lose passion for his presence. For if I honor God physically and I honor God financially, but I don't have a passion for him, I'm not going to transfer a heritage to the next generation. This is the core. This is, this is where it begins. And all of the others take their place in relation to my walk with Jesus as he empowers me for the others Lord you're here when you get in your car he's there when you go into your home he's there because wherever you are he's there and just be aware 
the tendency of the church, and you can study church history and you'll see drift. There would be like this passion and then the church would drift into a lack of focus, get involved with unnecessary things and lose the spiritual edge. Start this new year walking in the spirit, walking in awareness, loving him, loving to pray, loving to worship, loving to collect here in this place, to give him praise corporately, loving to just seek him with a passion and an abandonment. We are going to have a spiritual emphasis the second Sunday of February is when it starts. I'm going to come to you with this thought of the spirit and word because you have to have both. In the spirit, the, the context is just going to be, God, let us come and just sit at the feet of Jesus. Great attitudes and atmosphere of worship. Sunday morning and Sunday night. We're going to get into the book of Ruth. We're going to talk about redemption and revival and restoration. When we understand our kinsman redeemer, then we're poised for revival. And when we are revived, we're, we're positioned for total restoration. We're going to start that the second Sunday of February, Sunday morning, Sunday night. And I pray that Sunday night is this same attendance. On Wednesday night of that week, where there's about three to 400 teenagers in this room, we're going to have a multi-generational corporate service on that Wednesday night. Kids, moms and dads, grandparents, we're going to pack into this place on Wednesday night like we did on Sunday. And it's going to be a midweek fire lighter because that whole week I'm going to ask you to, to fast and you, you fast in the way the Lord would show you however he's I'm not going to get into the details you, you, just, you just say Lord I want to fast this week and if it means one meal or fasting Facebook or fasting television you, you, the Lord will deal with your heart and you just follow through and so that Wednesday night this corporate worship setting at the feet of Jesus in his word. Then that third Sunday, morning and night, and that night service, we'll break the fast with communion. And we'll be all across this altar just seeking Jesus, saying, God, I want to be so passionate for you. My soul follows hard after you. And then your position to transfer that to relationships, to transfer that to your finances, transfer that to your fitness and transfer that to your future, your vocational clarity. Stand with me, everybody. Holy Spirit, we need hearts of engagement. We just say yes. With your eyes closed, I want you to know you're going to be stronger. One of those five may stand out to you as a significant area of weakness in your life. Hey, you're going to get stronger. You're going to get stronger. So let's just take a moment. And give God passionate worship. Will you sing together? Freedom reigns in this place. Let's just lift our hands, everybody. Let's worship. Showers of mercy and grace. That's it. Just go hard after God. Falling on every face. I sense it. There is freedom.
is measurable in all five of these areas that we have talked about. There are some in bondage today when it comes to one of those. They're very weak. But now let the weak say, I am strong. Because, Lord, we're going to change, grow, improve, make progress. God, five years from now, it will be so amazing what has occurred in these five areas. And, Lord, the important aspect of this journey is a strong start. Lord, you put everything in motion for it to be the strongest launch of this journey. So just see that our hearts are ready to respond, engage, submit to it, and be motivated in Jesus' name. And everybody said, God bless you, everyone. Have a great afternoon.